You're listening to this week's excerpt from the Dear Prudence podcast. To get the full-length members-only version every week, join Slate Plus at slate.com slash prudipod. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to the Dear Prudence podcast once again. And as always, I'm your host, Mallory Ortberg, also known as Dear Prudence. With me in the studio today is Mike Kaplan, and I'm looking very forward to introducing all of you to all of him shortly. But first, a word on the dream stove. Every once in a while, I will get a letter that becomes a part of who I am. This letter has inscribed itself onto my DNA. Uh, I sleep differently now because of it. I, I move through the world differently. I think there's a very good chance that I will like grow an extra finger or my hair will turn white or some sort of physical reality will be inscribed on my body because of like the reality of this letter. Um, it was a part of the live chat yesterday uh, and it was about a dream stove. By which I don't mean like a, a hypothetical or fantasy stove. It's a very real stove that has created a very real problem in a presumably real human being's life. The problem that the letter writer uh, described was this. Um, it, it's sort of along the lines of how sometimes people will get mad if somebody else, quote unquote, steals a baby's name, which, you know, can't actually happen. You can't steal a name from a baby like your Rumpelstiltskin and like run off. And now all of a sudden the baby is nameless. What people say, what people, people mean when they say someone else has stolen their baby name is someone else named their baby something that the person in question wanted to name their baby. Uh, at any rate, this happened to someone over a stove. Someone wrote in and said, I have this dream stove I've always wanted to buy. Uh, I love cooking and design, so it's really important to me to someday own this stove. Well, my best friend bought that self-same stove not long after I told them about my dream Needless to say, I'm furious. By the way, whenever someone writes needless to say, they need to say it because I had no idea that they were about to say what they said um, because it is not necessarily like super intuitive. Uh, needless to say, the letter writer said, I'm furious. I feel betrayed. Uh, and I've been giving this friend the silent treatment for the better part of a year because of the stove. Uh, and they don't seem to understand why I'm so angry. Uh, my other friends have attempted to set up an intervention to try to restore our friendship. But I just, I can't even, I can't even see myself having a conversation with this person. What do I do? Um, and I had to lie down for 45 minutes with a cool washcloth on my forehead. This is me, not the letter writer, just to, just to absorb what had happened. Um, and I can't stop thinking about it. Mike, uh, I'm, I'm actually just going to introduce you now because I, I can't talk about this by myself anymore. I need someone else to like anchor me and hold me down to earth. So Mike Kaplan is our guest today. He is a comedian and the host of the podcast, Hang Out With Me. His latest album is called No Kidding. Mike, welcome to the show. How do you feel about the stove? Thank you so much. I, I read your column every week. I haven't gotten to this letter yet. It is making me feel anxious because you can't like they make multiples of that stove, right? They didn't. She didn't. Steal. I don't think it's like a bespoke stove. No, it's not uh, like an artisanal one of a kind. This is the one that was made for me or whoever walked into the store. 
before me and snatched it and now I can't like when I have things that I love and I'm like I tell my friends about them and I'm like this seems great I would also love for you to have a great thing I would be honored if I knew enough about a stove to love it and then my friends were like I like Mike's taste in stoves I'm gonna get that self-same stove yeah, no, Mikey, you are absolutely correct. It is a stove like the stove that every home and apartment comes with, uh, the thing we all have in our kitchens. This isn't even like a fancy kitchen appliance. Like if you own a home or rent an apartment or live in a building that is like zoned for human existence, odds are like well above 90% that you have a stove. Is it possible that this person has had other wrongs imagined or real done by this friend or is this the first thing this oh mike friend... i'm sorry are you suggesting that this person perhaps brings the same unreasonable sense of intensity to other areas of their life not just the issue of stove exclusivity i i will to be generous say i wonder if this friend has stolen baby names actual babies actual appliances and this is the straw that is breaking the camel's back which isn't it's like giving the academy award for the departed instead of giving it for all of the other things that martin scorsese quote unquote should have won the academy award for and i don't i don't think that this is what is happening but i i want it to be I, I very much wish that I could say, yes, like the stove, it's not about the stove, it's about all the other things. But the, the letter writer did not say this friend has a habit of upstaging me. Um, it was it seemed to be very much about the stove for the letter writer. Um, and they felt that they had been in some way harmed uh, by the fact that they their friend now had the stove first. And um, they were also like genuinely seemed upset that their friend didn't know why they were upset. And, you know, I had to sort of gently say, like, I got to tell you, if if my because this person called them their best friend, I was like, if my best friend started giving me this silent treatment and I, I, if that happened, I'd feel terrible. I'd spend a lot of time thinking about what I could have done to hurt them. Oh, yeah. I, I could spend a hundred years meditating on all of my faults in like a beautiful crystal cave. And the stove I had most recently per- most recently purchased would not come onto the list. I would not think could be the stove. Mallory, uh, where did you get your beautiful crystal cave? I would love to get one. It is my ruminating on my faults cave, and it came along one day when I felt real bad about everything I've ever said and done. If you just vibrate with enough intensity uh, (laughs) when you feel terrible about yourself, a beautiful crystal cave will appear, and the crystals will focus uh, your self-recriminations. And you don't mind if I also get one? No, no, not at all, as long as you don't get it from Viking. Oh, of because course. that is the brand of Crystal Cave that I have selected for myself. And if you got one, I would have to turn into a sea nymph out of rage. Just uh, jotting something down. Nothing related to what we're doing now. But uh, sincerely, this person, if I think they could have imagined if the person I'm imagining the person imagining the slights before they were told why the silent treatment was about to come or didn't come or didn't get that warning is like, mm-hmm. well, wh- what happened recently? I guess I uh, we had that conversation about the stove. I got that stove. That couldn't be it. it and then uh, then everything else starts flying through the mind. No, it doesn't. I I'm sorry to I, I don't I like people to be right. And, you know, I want to be on everybody's side. But sometimes it's hard to be. Well, I think that's a good attitude to bring to the questions today. I think that's like a helpful, useful generosity of spirit that enables one to give good advice. Um, But the best advice I have for the stove person is get a grip. Um, And I don't say that lately. I don't say like you're dumb and your problems are dumb. I just mean like this is not a problem. You have not been harmed in any meaningful way. Uh, You don't actually have a problem. Um, I like that. You can still get a stove. Oh, yeah. Your problems are not dumb. This 
is not a problem. This exactly is dumb. Yes. Yeah. This is dumb. You're not dumb, but this is very dumb. And it's like maybe maybe I'm just like outing myself as a total bore, but I feel like at a certain point, a stove is a stove, right? Like, I don't know. Gas stoves are better than electric stoves. Sure. But at a certain point, it's just a metal box in your house that makes food hot. Oh, Mallory. It can only get get so good, right? Like, there's got to be a level where you start to hit diminishing returns. I'm not saying that certain stoves aren't better than other stoves, but, like, at a certain point, they all do the same thing. We'll find out how many listeners you have in the stove lobby. Big stove may be coming for you. But I do agree with you. And my final advice to the dream stove wanter or haver is to just, uh, I guess, become a raw vegan. I think the only other, you know what, there is one situation where I think it would be okay to get this upset, and that is if um, the oven in question is an easy-bake oven, Mm. because I, too, have always wanted one and never got one as a child, and um, if one of my friends had an easy-bake oven and I didn't, I'd feel pretty rough about it. I understand. I mean, I... Those things are amazing. I'm sure I don't remember. I don't think I had one, and now I want one. I mean, Mike, it was just an excuse to basically, like, put together some raw brownie batter and, like, put it under basically just, like, a warm light bulb and then an hour later eat brownie batter and just feel really good about your choices. I I guess I've I've had good feelings about other choices I've made, so I've had the equivalent. But, yeah, not that exact experience, and I I hope that you get what you want. I hope so too. So, at any rate, uh, we're staying on the theme of food. We're 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 slowly easing our way into everyone's problems this week. But our first letter is also about food. Uh, but it's also about not just food. Oh, sure. Uh, would you be so good as to uh, read it for us? I'm excited to. Awesome. Dear Prudence, I've been dating my boyfriend for about a year. We're both in our late twenties, and I see a future with him. But I wouldn't write you if there wasn't a dark cloud. I'm a vegetarian, and my boyfriend eats meat. This isn't necessarily a big problem. My exes were meat eaters too, and he's happy to eat my home-cooked vegan meals or provide vegetarian food for me when we are at his place. The problem is that he sells meat for a living. His father is a poulterer, and when I first met my boyfriend, he was working for him two days a week to make money for his tech startup. At the time, the idea was that this situation was temporary and that in time, he would dedicate himself fully to his tech company. A couple months ago, he had a change of heart, and he now wants to take over his father's business, mostly because he would be able to provide a secure future for himself and any potential children. I don't feel comfortable living off the gains of animal suffering. I already told him I won't be joining the family business, and he's fine with that, but I'm not sure if I can be with someone whose career is in the meat industry. We're both principled people, but in different ways. It's important to my boyfriend that he's able to provide affordable food for the public, good jobs for his mostly immigrant employees, and security for his family. We talked about it a couple times, but we didn't come to a solution. I love him, but I'm worried about the long term. I'd really appreciate your advice, and I'd love to hear from other vegetarians or vegans that have had, that have or have had a partner that works in the meat industry, if there are any out there. Uh, love, I added love, the butcher's future <laughs> wife. The butcher's future wife, question mark. <laughs> Thank you. I, by the way, this is kind of the second question I've gotten in as many weeks about a, a sort of really similar kind of call for responses. Last week, mm. uh, we heard from somebody who is uh, like a 
a devout liberal uh, Protestant uh, who is with like a sort of like shruggy, apathetic atheist. And it was a sort of similar thing of like, I love this person. We both have values. They're just really different. And I'm curious, like, does anyone else know how to make this work? Because I want to believe that you can. And then this one is from a sort of different angle. But that sort of question again of I love this person, but we see something in really different ways. Can we make it work? Is it OK? Is there anyone else who's doing this? And and I, I hope very much that we hear from in the next couple of weeks a lot of like, Christian vegans and atheist polterers who are in like loving weird relationships and are just like super into sharing their tips. So I, please call I, us. I hope so as well. Please do call. Mallory, do you know uh, what my dietary inclinations are? I do. I do, which is part of why I wanted to save this one for you because I thought uh, this would be right up your alley. I appreciate it. I didn't know if it was a happy accident or a happy on purpose. Happy on purpose. I, for the listeners, I am vegan, and Mallory made me tell you. Sorry, um, listeners. You have to know this now. <laughs> you know something about Mike. You guys are close. You will never not know. Um, I mean, my initial response, if if I may give my advice, is that yeah. Uh, I honestly think, I mean, as a person for whom this issue is also important, I don't. I I have dated people who eat meat, have eaten meat, and continue to eat meat. And don't think that that has been a long-term problem for me or would be. But I think that there is something different about somebody who makes their money uh, doing, like, actively making, being a butcher, having a butchering company, being responsible for the butchering of animals, uh, in this person's words and in the way that I imagine reality is. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think this, for me... I, the only thing that I can do as advice is say what I would do. I think I would not continue to be with this person because it would, over the long term, make me feel very bad. Yeah, and we'll sometimes get questions in a similar vein from someone who is is not saying, I think this person is a monster. Um, but there's a sort of discomfort as if if we were to break up over a serious difference of opinion in terms of our worldview or how we express our values, Um I would feel like a bad person because if they're not a monster, I don't think it's a good enough reason. It's sort of the undercurrent sometimes of letters like this. Um, Sure. And I always feel like it is really okay to say you are not a bad person. I am not a bad person. We are like some roads diverging in a yellow wood right here. And, uh, you know. To, to, to say that, I think it's sometimes really hard for people, they'll think, but like, they're a good person, I'm a good person. Is it like mean or intolerant to to not try to figure out a way? Um, and, and just like looking through the letter, like the, the letter writer says, I'm not sure if I can be with someone whose career is in the meat industry. Uh, I, I am worried about the long term. Uh, I, I, I can't really see myself, you know. Uh, like living off of uh, like financially living off of the profits of animal suffering. And that feels like, oh, well, you seem to know yourself pretty well there. Like that seems like it's actually clear to you. You wouldn't be comfortable. You wouldn't want to do it. And you can't see a future with that. So, you know, pay attention to that. Doesn't mean you have to like kick him in the face tomorrow and and run off to live on a commune. Um, but if that is a value of yours, and if that feels like not something you could build a life around, and if it's something that your boyfriend seems really committed to, um, I, I don't think that's going to become like less of an issue for you guys with time. And I don't think you're going to start to feel good about it. Um, and I think that's a good enough reason to say 
Like, you know, you've been together for less than a year. I care about you and you are a great person, but we're not going to be compatible in the long run. Like, that is an okay reason to break up, uh, I think. I I like that I'm, like, looking around like someone's going to come in and be like, no, it's not. Like, this is my show. I can say that. You definitely can. I can. I agree with you. I think the you love each other. There's so many times when people love each other and one wants kids, one doesn't. One wants monogamy, one doesn't. There's all kinds of reasons that two people who are fine people uh, don't belong together because of some incompatibility. The the only, I think, final possible saving grace could be if you have a conversation about this and say, I'm thinking of leaving this relationship. I think this relationship might not be best for me slash us. Uh, what what would that what would you say about that? Is this career more important to you than a possible future with me? Because I think that if you're choosing this career, I can't be with you. And maybe he would right. say, uh, no, you're more important than the career. Right. And and not to phrase it in terms of like quit this job or lose me forever in the sort of way that's like um, an ultimatum so much as like I can't see myself doing that. Um, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I know what I need to do for myself. Knowing that, do you still feel like this is something that's really important to you? Because if so, I think it's better for us to part ways now. Um, If you're open to not doing it, then I would love to stay together, but I'm not going to try to force you to do anything. Thinking about a friend who was seeing somebody for a while and they like really cared for one another. They had a really wonderful rapport. And one issue that really came up between them was uh, the person they were dating took a job at a, at a hedge fund. Um, And that was really troubling for my friend. And like, they would talk about it. Well, it was not like, Oh, you horrible monster. You have like joined like the evil people and you're bad. Now it was just this sense of like, I find this really troubling. This would be hard for me if this was your career. Um, And ultimately it got to a point where they were uh, no longer in a relationship. And again, it wasn't like, I'm good, you're bad, get out. Um, But it, it, really came up against like a pretty serious value of my friends. And um, it, it was helpful to see two people walk through this and and to realize like it was not like this awful ultimatum of you're bad, I'm good, get out. But just like I can't see my way through to building my life with a person where this is such an important part of their day to day. And that's OK, I think, to end a relationship over like big picture issues. I think that's I think that's a good reason to end a relationship. One of the best. In fact, uh, I mean, what would you what would you talk about at the end of the day? Not that you you can only talk about work, but how was your day? Please don't tell me anything that you did at the butcher factory. Uh, right. Like, call me when you're not a butcher, you know, if you want to. And you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's hard. I think we sometimes think of love should transcend those things. And, uh, you know, does it mean that I'm intolerant or, or, or small minded or or not trying hard enough? And I don't think that's the case. I think it's really OK if something's like supremely important to you um, to say, like, this is a line for me. That's that's all right. So, you know, letter writer, um, it sounds like, you know, that this would not be something you would be comfortable with. And it, it sounds like you need to make that just kind of a line for yourself. Like you're like, I could be with somebody who eats meat. That's not a line I need to draw. I understand that different people feel differently about this. But uh, as a like vegetarian or, or a vegan, it was a little unclear from the letter yeah. where they kind of fall on that continuum. But like it would be difficult for me to date someone who is a poulterer uh, or marry someone uh, who who works in that line of work. And that's like, yeah, that's okay. You 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 get to have your own values. That's part of the joy of being a human being is you get to say, this is my little fiefdom. This is my principality. This is where I, I like administer uh, my will. Um, and, and I want someone who can um, participate in that, not necessarily a carbon copy of myself, but somebody who uh, 
wants to sort of like bind up and do the good work with me. A meat-free fiefdom. Sorry, I'm getting, I always get really <laughs> biblical language when I start talking about like personhood and the administration of the will. And that's just where like my religious upbringing just comes like shooting through. So sorry. But bind up and do the good work. <laughs> <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I wanted to throw in a voicemail in between our letters. This Ooh. one's been sitting in the inbox for a while. All right. Hi. So my question is, a couple weeks ago, you had a question on the podcast about a roommate who found out that somebody else in the same building was given a lower rate. And you used um, the biblical story of the day laborers to illustrate that just because somebody else gets something at a better price than you got doesn't mean that the price you're paying is unfair. So my question is related to salary. Um, I'm a white woman, and I'm doing a pretty damn well <laughs> for myself, thanks to structural privilege. Um, but one of the things that's commonly told to women is in salary negotiations, we should be trying to find out what other people are being paid and asking to be paid the same as men in the similar role uh, to help close the gender wage gap. Now, I don't need more money. I think I make plenty. Right now, I think my salary is fair. Um, but I also feel like in some ways I'm letting down feminist cause by not fighting to be paid the same as men. So my question is, if I think what I'm being paid is fair, should I fight to get paid more? Does that actually help anyone? Um, or is it just a selfish, greedy pursuit to try to put more money in my own pocket? Um, I'd really be interested in your take on this issue. Thanks very much, and have a good night. Okay, uh, this is always this is always where I also run into trouble because I, I, I used a couple of months ago uh, to describe. I think somebody was upset about like different levels of rent that was getting paid in their house, and I threw out like an old story. Um, and I don't think it is necessarily a universally applicable story. So, like, of course, now it's getting thrown on my face, and I'm like, no, no, I didn't mean it. Um, but, but yeah, that's. Mike, I know, uh, I know that I'm just like throwing you in the deep end with all of this stuff. But like, what are your thoughts, man? Uh, this a lot of the questions this week uh, are. There's some tough ones. This is one that I honestly I don't want to say that I have the perfect answer because okay. what could that be? But I wish I, you did, though, Mike. I, like, I feel I feel pretty confident about what I'm about to say. Sure. Uh, I think that your only options are not either don't ask for more money. Or ask for more money because you want to help other people, but how would that help other people? Uh, you could ask for more money and then take the money that you don't need and donate it to causes that are actually fighting to get more money for people of color and other women who do need it and other minorities. And there's certainly groups out there working towards more you know, gender equality across all the intersectionality that exists through our society. Like, So you could take some of the money that you don't need, that you have now, or that you get if you ask for it. Certainly asking for more and keeping it to yourself when you don't need it uh, isn't specifically helping other people and might actually, I think, 
hurt if you're like, oh, the, the gap is shrinking, but in the wrong place, in a place where it's not necessary. Right. And I think one thing that I felt like this uh, question was sort of getting at, but didn't quite come out and ask was um, like, she's clearly thinking a lot about the gender uh, wage gap, and then mentions that she's a white woman. And there is there are other wage gaps. Uh, the, the, the racial wage gap um, is significant. Um, so it's not simply a matter of am I making as much as a white man, but there are ways in which like, um, white women often make more uh, comparatively than some men of color and and many women of color. And and so there are ways in which you are maybe disadvantaged as a woman, but advantaged as a as a white lady um, that is meaningful and, and worth thinking about. Um, so it's not just uh, the wage gap of uh, I'm not quite caught up to white men. There's also ways in which, you know, you are um, uh, ahead of, of other people. So uh, that is also, I think, worth thinking about. So it's not just a question of like, should I be making more money for the cause? But how can I help other workers, I think is a good question to always be asking yourself. How can I help my colleagues, um, people who are coming up in my chosen career path? Um, how can I help them sort of fight the war of attrition that like the company is always trying to wage against us. So anything from like disclosing your salary to colleagues who are maybe like involved in their own attempts to uh, ask for more money is a really good idea. Like Mike, I've been kind of doing this ongoing with different people on the podcast is talking about like how much money we've oh, made yeah. in the last year. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's like meaningful and it's hard, right? Like the first time I started talking about how much money I was making, I felt really uncomfortable because I thought, oh, we're not supposed to be doing this. Um, and that's not to say that you should start walking up to strangers and saying like, here's how much money I make. Like, of course, <laughs> it's possible to be like boorish and rude in so doing. Um, but I think often, especially within our own companies, if we are employed by a company and aren't like a freelancer, we think I'm not supposed to tell anyone else what I'm making. And it's like, actually, that's helpful information. Like, um, I used to work at this is so funny. I like, I don't want to say the name of the company. I'm like, what if I get in trouble? I once worked at Yelp for three weeks and uh, I got the job from a friend who worked there and she had been there for about four years and like was very senior in the department. Um, and when they hired me, uh, I was sort of reluctant to take the job because I had a couple of other things going on. So I asked for more money and I asked for more money and they gave it to me. And she and I went out um, during my three week employment there. Um, and I found out that I was making like 8% more than she was after four and a half years at the company. Huh. And I told her and I said, hey, you should know they offered me more money than they give you. You should ask for more money. Um, and she did and she got it. And like, obviously, that's like a simple anecdote. I'm not saying that simply knowing what your colleagues make is going to enable you to like get more money. Um, but you should share that information with other people um, who are like maybe trying to negotiate for more. Like that was useful information to her and she was able to like ask for more. And I'm really glad I did that um, because they should have been paying her more money. I am also glad you did that. We so often, I mean, it's our self-worth is psychologically connected to literally our worth, the worth of, you know, our job, our, what we have in our bank account. Like I, as a freelancer, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a comedian. 
I don't work for a company. I have had like older comedians, like more experienced comedians tell me sometimes like, hey, if you get to this point and you're, you know, bringing in this many people, if you're working in this market, like this is what you could or should or, you know, other people have made. And when people don't exchange this information, like when there's silence, that just helps the people who have all of the money keep most of the money. And it can only be helpful to be transparent uh, with, you know, with your colleagues, with your, you know, superior, you know, with anybody like you, you just started working there and uh, started making it's it's crazy that that happens. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no. And, and I just think uh, like there's a lot of different stuff going on. Like California recently proposed a fair wage law that kind of puts the burden on, on employers to disprove pay discrepancies based on either gender or race. Mm. Um, and it also protects employees who want to share the, their pay information with their colleagues, and it kind of prohibits employer retaliation, which of course can and does happen, right? Like, I don't want to be too Pollyannish and say, like, just walk into all of your colleagues' offices <laughs> and tell them how much you make, and by golly, you can all just go talk to your managers, and soon we'll all make the exact same amount of money, and we'll all live in one big house, um, like, <laughs> which would actually be great. Um, but uh, like, wage tra- transparency is something that you can do, and that you can use to help other workers uh, there are there are companies that are like auditing pay discrepancies like i think intel last year did a a, a gender based wage audit and they're working on a race based wage audit to try to figure out uh, where they're fucking up and i think that that should be encouraged and you should try to find out like if you work for a big company have they done that are they doing it you can um, submit uh, like your uh, your own salary to websites like glassdoor uh, or fairy godboss i think there's probably others where other people who are maybe applying for work at your company can use that as like helpful information um anything that you can do to help other people fight for more money is a good thing like if there are ways in your field that you can mentor um other women women of color people who are gender minorities etc like to help them um you know if you've got some experience in your field to to help them based on your own experience like do that if, um, yeah if you have that's... yeah if you have more of anything uh share it if you have more money time experience anything you can help by providing that Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, she says, uh, I'm happy with how much I make. That's fantastic. That means you can help other people uh, get on your level. Um, like if, if you're at a point where you're like, I am like fairly like remunerated for my work. That is fantastic. Help other people out. Help other people who are just getting started. Help other people who maybe like do not already have a ton of mentors who are like helping them along their career path. Um, look for ways to help other people bridge that gap. Woo. Okay. So after that, uh, I, let's 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 jump into something a little different. I want to do some more family in law stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this question, Mike, has like I, I had to like sit down. I am so confused by this. And I feel like there's one of two possible answers, and they're both super different. So I'm going to go ahead and read this letter, and we're going to figure out which scenario I think is really going on. Sure. Dear Prudence, my son is married to his second wife, Loretta, whom I adore. They've been together for four years and married for two. Loretta and I have a great relationship. We've never had a single conflict. She loves my son, treats him with respect, and has a great head on her shoulders. If I could have gone to the daughter-in-law store and picked out their best model, I would have picked her. The problem I have is with my son. He's 31, he has a successful career, and he's going to grad school. He's an all-around great guy. However, he has some pretty odd viewpoints about certain things, one of which has caused a lot of conflict between him and me. Since the very beginning of their relationship, 
if I want to ask Loretta about what she might want for her birthday or Christmas, or plan a get-together either with just her or with her and my son, or just call her to talk, my son says that I have to go through him and should not contact her directly. He discourages all direct communication from me to her. Loretta has never indicated in any way that she doesn't want me to get in touch with her. Over the past four years, we've spent some very pleasant times together, just the two of us. Loretta and my son have a very happy and healthy relationship, and he is not abusive. He doesn't place this requirement on any other person in their circle of family and friends, just me. When I observe the two of them together, they treat each other as equals. He's not overbearing, and she isn't quiet and submissive. He also never had this requirement in place when he was married to his first wife. Loretta is very busy with a full-time job and their daughter, and I don't want to spend endless hours on the phone chit-chatting with her and taking up lots of her time. I'd just like to feel free to call her to ask what she wants for her birthday, or to schedule the occasional group dinner. His reason for this rule is that it's quote-unquote not normal for a mother-in-law to communicate directly with her daughter-in-law. From my own personal experience with my mother-in-law when I was married to his father, this is definitely normal. The most recent occurrence of this non-communication rule came when he was out of the country and I learned that I needed to have minor surgery. I asked Loretta to see if she'd be able to drive me to the hospital and she said she'd be happy to. She didn't sound annoyed or fake nice. She really did say she was be- she would be happy to do this for me. Now, when my son came back, he told me that he would be taking me instead and that Loretta had commitments that day and that I shouldn't have gotten in touch with her at all. I'm confused and frustrated. I very much want to talk to Loretta about this and find out how she feels, but I'm really worried about adding fuel to the fire with my son because I know she would tell him that I called her to discuss this and he would unleash his anger on me. I also don't want to put her in an awkward position. I don't even know if she knows about his rule. And whether she did or didn't, my son would be angry with me for discussing it with her. I've tried everything I know to convince my son that he's being unreasonable and hurtful, that it's not weird for a mother-in-law to call her daughter-in-law, and that there's no need for such an outlandish boundary. I'm kind to my daughter-in-law. I love her. And I want to be able to call her up and talk to her, just like any other normal mother-in-law. Signed, Sad Mom. <sighs> By the way, this was originally a lot longer. Wow. Um, I, I I had to cut down a lot of it. And like this has clearly been going on for a long time. And it's just really weird. You're you're in a long-term relationship, right? I don't remember if you're married or not, but like you've got kind of an in-law situation. Uh that is I am in a relationship that's been about a year now. I've had some I have been married, so I have had in-laws. I understand. Okay. And I guess the first thing that jumps out to me that even if it is weird, it's not bad. Like everything that's weird isn't bad and it would be fine if everybody was fine with it for any any two people who want to talk to each other can talk to each other. So that part Additionally, combined with this thing makes it stranger to me that it was fine in the first marriage, that it happened and wasn't forbidden and wasn't seen as not normal. So I don't know. I mean, is it possible that the that Loretta, the woman, uh, the wife in this situation is has some problem that she's not sharing and she doesn't want to talk directly and she is just a really good liar or like there's so much that we don't know. Yeah, no, that was my, I mean, that was my first thought too. And I was trying to like, like look through this letter to look for signs that somehow the the mother-in-law has been doing something really out there. Um, Because my first thought was, oh, Loretta just asked her, your, your son to do this. And he's like being the bad guy on her behalf. And she's just like a super good actor. And she is 100%. This is all coming from her. You only think you guys get along great. That's why you've never had a conflict, because she outsources all of her conflict to your son. But I've I've read and listened to you for a while. And every once in a while, there's a letter from somebody who thinks they're 
the hero, but are definitely the villain of the story. But they, yeah, they lack I get that the, vibe from this. She does not lack the self-awareness. She seems com- like it seems like she's doing she, everybody's doing a great job at seeming reasonable. But except for the son. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's why is he why is he being mean about it? Right. That's what I, that's what's been. I've kind of been going back and forth over this, too. I've been having the same problem. Like the letter, it's it's long and it's definitely full of feeling, but it does not feel like she has unreasonable expectations. No, it doesn't sound like she's been asking really outrageous things. Like there's nothing in this letter that suggests to me, oh, I can kind of see why your kid actually might want to set some boundaries and avoids having hard conversations with you because you sound like you overreact to stuff like that doesn't seem to be the case here. So like either. Loretta is, for whatever reason, uh, really conflict avoidant, really doesn't like you and has asked your son to sort of be this stand in guard dog on her behalf or your son's being like really out of line. And I don't know why, because you sound pretty nice. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm missing something here. It re- like my I guess the idea the advice that I have is like when letter writer you say should I talk to Loretta but my son might be mad I've tried talking to my son like I feel like I'm sure that you have if you are the reasonable person that you present as that seems to understand and want reasonable things from your life and family and the people who care about the people that you care about and who you care about uh, then I mean I guess. I would say I would recommend trying to talk to your son about how like it doesn't make sense that even if it isn't even if it is weird, which it isn't, it wouldn't be bad if it was weird, which it isn't, as evidenced by your last marriage where why I would that's a specific concrete piece of advice I can say is say to your son, why was this not a rule in your last marriage and see what he says to that if he has some reason that uh, you can't that you can't think of that I can't think of that Mallory can't that I mean it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but that seems fair to say like, hey, like kind of one last ditch effort to talk about it with him before having the possibility of talking to Loretta, which I don't necessarily want to advise you to do because no. I want to at least explore the possibility of what would it look like if you just accepted that this is a weird rule your son has. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll put a pin in that for a second. So. Yeah, one last talk with your son and just say, like, I'm not looking to become Loretta's best friend. I'm not looking to call her five hours a day. Um, I am confused because in your last marriage, I would periodically have, I I assume, like normal contact with your wife and it worked out fine. Um, Did I do something to your wife? Was there something I did that she didn't like that you didn't feel like you could tell me? That, that makes you feel like it's necessary to put this rule in place because I don't understand. Um, this has not historically been how I've interacted with uh, your previous partners. So I don't understand why you think it's not normal for a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law to talk. Like, that's not my experience with my own mother-in-law. That wasn't my experience with your last wife. Um, can you explain why you all of a sudden feel this need? And can I, I have another idea that, yeah. I mean, my normal advice in a situation where you're like, you can't, it seems like you can't control this. And so if you never get the answer that you want, then you right. have to be the one to just be like, well, this is how it is. I don't want to worry about it forever because I'll never know. So I have to you know, come to terms with it. But this is your son. This is your family. This will be uh, hopefully for a while <laughs> the people that you know and care about and want to connect to. My The only other hope that I have is she says she's the only person this rule applies to. Is there somebody else in your family that you're close to? 
that Mm -hmm. might have any clue, like, because it can't be, I mean, do you talk to other people? Are you close with, you know, your extended or non-extended family? I don't know who else there is who is allowed to talk directly to your son's wife, but I I don't, and I don't usually want to advocate being like, like, it sounds like sort of second grade to be like, you know, check this box. If like, does this person like me? Why doesn't this person like me? But that at some point might be the only recourse that I think only in this situation seems maybe reasonable to be like, do you, or even not to like ask them to go ask the person, but do you know why this might be have, am I a certain way with anybody that would make it reasonable to have this apply to me and me alone like am i am i unreasonable how am i unreasonable no and i think that's fair i think that's a good point mike because it's not just that you're trying to like dig up dirt on your kid or trying to like triangulate your relationship with him you're kind of doing the emotional equivalent of like hey do i have anything in my teeth yeah um like before you decide whether or not this is worth escalating conflict you want to double check to make sure like Am I seeing my own behavior as objectively as possible? Like, I think I am, but I want to do a double check before I run the risk of inciting a conflict between my son and me or my son and his wife. Um, So to ask somebody else in the family that you care for and trust and to say, I'm really looking hard in my own past. Um, I want to be open to feedback and criticism. And and if you don't know, you don't know. Uh, But like, can you think of any reason why my son might feel that this is necessary? Um, And to be open to if you hear something that feels really surprising or jarring to kind of sit with it, think through it, ask yourself if there could be any truth to it. Um, Yeah, there could be. Let's say you try that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. There could be something like that. People want to people love you. People care about you. They're in your family. They want what's best for you. They if there is something that they aren't telling you, they're doing it out of love because they care about you. But they are letting you walk around with this emotional, you know, stain on your teeth, this something Mm -hmm. that is there that is affecting you. And if they could understand if you can let them know for sure that hopefully you're open to hearing whatever they say, that that will the truth will be the best thing for everybody in this situation, because right now, none of us have it. Yeah. So let's let's put that aside for a minute and say, okay, let's say no one has a good answer for you. No one's like, oh, yes, you did this really bananas thing that was awful um, or or whatever. And, and you need to figure out, okay, can I can I see my way through to saying it's a weird rule? I don't get it. I don't like it. Um, but since I don't see any sort of signs of abuse, I don't have any cause to be concerned about the healthiness of their marriage. Um, and I might be willing to adhere to this kind of weird rule um, that my son has put in place. Um, if it means, you know, that's the way that their marriage is set up for whatever reason, I don't have to understand it. I still get to see them. It's not like he's keeping her from me. Um, I still get to have positive interactions with them. Um, and this is something that I don't have to like, but I can respect. And I think that's possible. I think you could do that. That's a low conflict route. Um, but I think sometimes people have rules that we don't necessarily like or understand, but we can accept. That's one possibility. The sure. other one is you can talk to Loretta. You run the risk on a couple of fronts, right? Like one is she has been asking your son to do this. She will not give you a straight answer. You will not learn anything and you'll just kind of both feel weird around each other. Like that's a possibility. You'll say, Loretta, I feel uncomfortable bringing this up. I'm not quite sure what to do. Um, I understand if you don't want to discuss this, but I I did want to ask, you know, my son has told me repeatedly not to contact you. I feel like you and I have a good relationship. I would like to be able to occasionally call you up and chat, find out what you want to do for your birthday. Is that okay with you? Um, 
but to bear in mind that it may not be and you might not get a straight answer. Um, But I don't think that's an outrageous thing to say to her. Like, yes, probably you will put her in a slightly uncomfortable situation. It probably will feel a little weird. You, You might hear her be really surprised. Like, she might be like, I had no idea that he said that and I'm confused and and that might be one possibility but I, I think you could do that. Yep. Uh, that- you just really run the risk of of getting not a straight answer. And then I think you would have to let it go. It is you, you definitely if you've presented everything faithfully, you have a real stumper of a problem. Yeah. But yeah, so like let's say you have that conversation and You get everything you wanted out of it. She says, I didn't know he had that rule. I genuinely like you. I'm not sure what he's doing. Please do feel free to occasionally call me. Um, And then I think the best thing you can do is just say to your son, um, Loretta and I don't need this rule. We're comfortable calling one another. I'm not going to try to call her to talk about you or to, like, get the dirt on you. I'm not trying to, like, get in between you and your wife and your marriage. But if I want to know what she wants for Christmas, I'm going to text her. Um, And I hope that's okay. Um, That's not an unreasonable thing to want. So that's, like, the probable best case high conflict scenario, right? (laughs) Is like Loretta gives you the green light. You guys are comfortable. You get to sort of gently say to your son, I'm not trying to manage your marriage or get in the middle of it. I just want to sometimes call her, and I'm going to do that. And if your son totally blows up, then you and Loretta can sort of be like, that's weird. Why do you think he's doing that? And then you get to be the sort of sane, reasonable one, which is always a nice place to be. Um, Or, you know, you talk to her, and she's like, kind of weird, kind of evasive. Um, your son gets mad at you and then, you know, you kind of get your wrist slapped for kind of getting in the middle of their marriage. And um, I think at that point you would just have to apologize and retreat. Um, and that's a bummer, but um, sometimes that's just how it is. Like we don't always get to understand the inside of other people's marriages, even if we want to. Um, and I think if that happened, you would need to back off. Um, but please write back. Like, like, let us know if you do talk to Loretta what she says, if she seems clear on it, if you learn something new about something that's gone down between you guys that you didn't realize before or or what's going on or 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 maybe he is abusive and just really good at hiding it or I mean, I don't think that's super likely given how they interact and the fact that this rule doesn't exist for anyone else, but it's it's a possibility. Uh, I just still have so many questions. I don't feel great about any answer. Please let us know everything. Yeah, please. And please Loretta, call us back. Loretta, call us. If you think this is you, if someone's reading this and they're like, huh, this, this is weird. This might be me. Uh, please call us. All right. The next letter is very, very short. Um, and it reads simply this. Dear Prudence, FYI, pig milk is horrible. A friend of mine tried it. Carol. Carol, thank you. I always assumed that pig milk would be terrible. Um I'd like to know a little bit more about how your friend came to try pig milk, um, but that's not something that that you saw fit to tell us today. It's just not some information we're going to get, and I understand and accept that. And, and I just wanted to share with all of you, apparently pig milk is very bad. We have one person's opinion. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody else has tried pig's milk and thought it was fantastic, please write us. Um, and this, by the way, is, is in response to a couple of weeks ago. I was talking about how weird just, like, life is and how weird dairy is and it is confusing to me and i also suspect that someone has perfected lab Mm. milk like the way they're working on lab meat but that Mm. they're not giving it to us um and i think i just said something like it's weird it's weird that we're very specific about like we'll take milk from cows but not other animals and now people are just letting us know yeah so if any of you have like tried cat milk or hamster milk or whatever please again write us in and let us know your experience um we really appreciate it 
This is just slowly going to turn into a (laughs) podcast that reviews various animal milks, like lizard milk. Oh, lizards are not mammals. They do not make milk. Um, But people aren't going to, it's not going to stop people from trying. Oh, boy. That's, lizard. Yeah. Mike, uh, we did it. Oh. We answered everyone's questions. We did a really good job as far as, as far as I know. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You are a beautiful, gentle cinnamon roll, and I hope you come back again and advise the people with me. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Audrey Dilling. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash plus to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR, that's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute, tops. Everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.